Hello, my name is Diane Schindler. You are listening to In the Know. This podcast show includes writing tips, travel tips, and my views of life from savvy and thoughtful to quirky and humorous. I hope you enjoy the show. Before we get started on thriller genre and three narrative devices, I want to say something. I met my goal. Yes, I did. I finished the first draft of my thriller, my second novel. I am ecstatic for sure. I'm so pleased with myself. But you know, and I know, the first draft is just that. It is a draft. You put that first draft aside for a few weeks, and then when you pull it out, the real work begins. And I did, I put it aside. But let me tell you something, I'm still so steeped in it, thinking about the characters, the plot, the parallel plots, the location, the everything. It's pathetic. Why am I still steeped in it? Well, I think I've told you this before, but it's it's worth repeating. I have a confession when I write when I'm writing every day, I'm completely immersed. I've described myself as a mole in the ground, digging and digging under the earth, tunneling day and night through the earth as I'm writing. Yeah, day and night, because at night when I go to bed, I'm thinking about it. And when I get up in the morning, I'm thinking about it, writing, writing, writing. And finally, when I stop writing, when I come up for air, when I come up from air out of the soil of the dirt under the ground, and I come up, I swear to you, I'm in an altered state. I feel like I'm observing myself walking around now in what is the real world, but doesn't feel like the real world. For the last 24 to 48 hours, I've made a concerted effort not to think about my book. It's a process. take a moment. Thank all of you for listening and supporting In The Know. Thanks to you, the few years In The Know has aired has been excellent and so much fun. And now I'm expanding the episodes beyond travel, writing, and the fun and quirky topics that interest me and most important that interest you. For 2020, I'm expanding. I'm actually enhancing the mission of In the Know to include interviews with writers and authors of fiction, nonfiction, poetry, short stories, blogging, and more. It's a way to inform and enlighten the In the Know audience and bring attention to outstanding people, their works, and also augment their marketing plans. I invite you to join me for an interview, for your very own interview. More, for more information about this, please check the show notes for this episode where you will find my email address as well as the request for interview form. Thank you so much for listening. And as I wean myself off of my mole behavior, I have allowed myself to think about the thriller as a form, as a genre, rather than the content.
So that brings us to our topic today. I'm going to define the thriller genre and then talk about three narrative devices. The three narrative devices are the MacGuffin, the red herring, and the cuttlefish. But let me start by defining the thriller genre. Well, there are three types of thriller genre, the horror, the action, and the crime. Be sure to know that the aim for the thriller novel is to keep readers alert and on the edge of their seats throughout the novel. And this genre revolves around a problem faced by the main character, the protagonist, usually. And in the case of my thriller, Kaylee Hart is the protagonist. Kaylee becomes the victim. She is chased by the villain. That's really the difference between a thriller genre and a crime genre. The protagonist becomes a victim and is chased by the villain. But let's go back. Is it horror? Is it action? Is it crime that I'm talking about when I'm talking about my thriller? Well, it's not a horror thriller, which is usually which usually involves the supernatural, the spooky and the exceedingly gory. Ugh, that's not what's happening in my novel. And the action, primary, the primary feature of the action thriller is that it induces strong feelings of excitement, anxiety, tension, suspense, and fear. Well, my thriller novel does that too, but it's more than, it's more than the action. The crime thriller revolves around anticipation and suspense, but it's the ending of the crime thriller. It tends to end justly or unjustly. So now let's talk about the MacGuffin, the red herring, and the cuttlefish. Have you heard of the MacGuffin? I hadn't heard of it before, <laughs> but here we go. The MacGuffin is the antagonist's object of desire. It's what the antagonist wants. He or she wants an object, a device, or some event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant unimportant or irrelevant in itself. So Hitchcock said about the MacGuffin, the MacGuffin is the thing that the spies are after, but the audience doesn't care. The MacGuffin is the story driver. It's the antagonist's quest for his MacGuffin that creates conflict and tension and emotion. In the case of my thriller, without giving too much away, the antagonist who shall go unnamed um, for now, because that would be a spoiler, wants very, a very specific revenge. Revenge against the powers that devastated, ruined his business, the very business he built up and held so dear. He goes to great lengths in a variety of countries to seek retribution. But you know, we don't care so much about the MacGuffin, just the antagonist does, but it does have him behave in a certain way that, re that creates conflict and tensions and emotions. So that's the MacGuffin. Now let's look at two more devices, the red herring and the cuttlefish. Now I've heard, I I'm confident you've heard of the red herring, but if you're like me, I didn't quite understand the use of the red herring in a novel. The red herring is a kind of fallacy that is an irrelevant topic introduced in an argument to divert the attention of readers from the original issue. So in literature, this fallacy of, uh, is often used in detective or suspense novels to mislead the readers or even the characters and to, to induce them to make false conclusions. Yeah, those drat false conclusions. They confuse us as readers and we end up going down a, a rabbit hole that is, doesn't make any sense. So an example of a red herring is 
in Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, the bishop is the story's red herring. He is the head of the Opus Dei, a controversial Catholic sect. Brown sets up the story so that it looks like the bishop is the mastermind behind all the evil, the evil goings on. But of course, it turns out that someone else was pulling those strings all along. <sighs> you have to put red herrings in your novel just to fool everybody and keep them thinking, keep them on their toes. So now we're moving to cuttlefish. Now the cuttlefish, you probably have never heard this before unless you've listened to the Roundtablers podcasts and uh, the Story Grid, um, from the Story Grid webpage and the Story Grid book, Sean Cohn's Story Grid. Now, are you familiar with the Story Grid website and Sean Cohn? I'll, I'll have that information in the program notes so you can access it. It, I swear, it's like the Bible of how to write. And he has Story Grid editors, and the Story Grid editors have a roundtable every Friday. I was listening to a podcast, as I listen to many podcasts, and do you think I could find that particular podcast to prepare for this podcast show? Of course not. So all I can say is one of the roundtablers coined opposite of the red herring, a cuttlefish. So while a red herring is a false clue, a cuttlefish is a true clue. And when you're writing, you need to sprinkle those cuttlefish throughout the novel as well, so that the reader cannot distinguish the difference between a fallacy, a red herring, and a real clue, a cuttlefish. So the cuttlefish can come in a variety of forms like letters and notes and notebooks and ticket stubs and text messages, as well as physical clues like fingerprints to DNA. And you know, you see that a lot in the Sherlock Holmes movies and novels where you know, there's forensic pathologists. Six pathologists are going through the crime scenes, sorting through the personal items, looking at the photographs. That's the true clues. Now, sometimes a cuttlefish can come in the form of dialogue, voicemail recordings, conversations, overheard conversations, even hearsay and gossip can hide grains of truth that are cuttlefish. And those verbal clues come in the form of dialogue between characters. What is said and what is not said is so important. Miss Marple, those books are known for their decoding of verbal clues. So there you have it. The thriller genre and MacGuffin, Red Herring and Cuttlefish. I have those throughout my novel, but I'm not sure that my cuttlefish are very good yet. So when I go back to the second draft and the third draft and the fourth draft, I'll have to make sure I have a cuttlefish in there so I can confuse you all. That's my plan, confuse you. Well, back to the beginning. I'm so excited about having my first draft finished, about 85,000 words, but it needs a lot of work. I know that. And I'm going to get to it maybe the 1st of February. Thank you so much. I, th I hope you've learned a little bit today. Please um, come back. I hope to see you again. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support In The Know, you can do so by subscribing and sharing In The Know with your family and friends. You can like this episode. You can leave a comment and even add a rating. Your support is very important. 
to our success. And thank you so much for listening. See you next time on In the Know.